0: Well, here we are back at it. We took a little bit of a break, okay, a longish break, longer than usual, but we're all doing our best, okay? So if it's your first time here, or, you know, maybe you've just forgotten what we do at No One Told Me, my name is Callie, and we want to lean into hindsight to give you some foresight into seasons of life that can just take you by surprise. You know, those moments when you look around and you're just like, okay, how did I get here? What exactly? am I supposed to do here? Or most recently for me, how the heck do I get out of here? You know, those moments you're like, all right, I get it. I've been here a little while. I'm ready to move on because that's what this season has been like for me. And it's another one of those seasons when I just wish I could find someone who's ahead of me, who can turn around and just be like, you know what? I've been there. I felt, seen, walked everything you're in right now. And let me tell you how I navigated it. That is what this podcast exists for that you can find someone who's been where you are and you can kind of lean into their experience to help inform yours. Now the last few months were like this road in my neighborhood. Okay, I know I just made a huge jump, but just track with me here for a second. It's this giant hill. Okay, and everyone usually avoids it on their walks for obvious reasons. But I love a good burn. So if I'm walking, I'm taking on this hill. And only when I'm walking, I'm not going to run up this hill. But it's also a windy road. Okay, so there's turns every few minutes. But the only thing you know is we're going straight up. So you start your incline. And honestly, it really is so steep that if you lean forward much more, you might as well just like put your hands on the ground and crawl up the road. And for about, I don't know, two to three minutes, you're going up and your eyes are on this first turn up ahead and your brain is convincing you get to that turn and it flattens out. You just have to get right there. Just make it to that turn. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how many times I walk up this dumb hill. I am surprised every time I come around that turn because guess what there is? There's more hill, another like three to four minutes of incline. And it ticks me off every single time. I don't know why I don't remember that I'll get around that and it will just keep going up. That's how this summer felt. I had my eyes on what I thought was the peak for months, right? If I just get to that point, then it'll flatten out. Things will be easier. And I did it only to find there was more to climb. Steeper hills. Maybe you've been there too. I don't know. It's usually marked by phrases like, I'll just get to this deadline and work or school will ease off. Things will slow down. Or once I make this decision, I'll feel better. Or if I can just make it to the other side of that conversation, I'll have a clearer view. I'll know more easily what I need to do. Or if I'll I'll just get them to school, if we can just get to this next marker in their lives, it'll get easier and I'll have more time. And somehow you make it to your own personal peak just to find more mountain more climbing it's frustrating and honestly it's annoying i prayed some of my most honest prayers this summer many following the same sentiment god how am i still here and when are we moving on much of our walks with jesus are marked by showing up when we don't feel like it in these moments when we're praying are we done yet are we there yet because the truth is even when we do make it to the mountain peaks, we don't live on them for very long before we're making our way down into a valley because that's life in a fallen world. And I know that's not exactly the happiest thought. I get it, but it does give us some perspective, okay? The goal is not to live on the peak. The goal is to create a rhythm of life that holds you steady on the climbs to the top and the descents to the valley, so, as I was writing this, I thought, you know what? I'll pull my journal out from the summer where I write all of my prayers because I don't have the attention span to just pray willy-nilly like some of you do. I admire you who can do that, but I've got to ha- I got to write it down. All right, so I'm on track. And I took a look back over the summer and you know what surprised me most? The growth I was experiencing when I felt like nothing was happening. When I felt buried, I was really growing. Deep, real growth doesn't happen in a moment. Growth is actually in all the moments that you show up in the hard. All the stagnant moments that you simply just kept doing what you knew to do. Showing up in faithfulness, choosing obedience to a plan that may not feel good right now, but knowing the one who's crafting it is only good. So, without further delay and without more words than are really necessary here are my takeaways from a summer slash fall of feeling buried how you finish one season will determine how you start the next when God calls you out of where you are and moves you to where he wants you to be you have a choice on that transition actually honestly you make or break that transition And the truth is, transitions are just really stinking hard. Any change in general for me, I fight it the whole way. And I'll tell you why. Control. There is nothing we hate more than a narrative we aren't completely controlling. The how, when, why of transitions are really rarely up to us. We may make the decision that spurs the change. Like, I'm going to stop eating sugar or I've accepted a new position, or I think my four-year-old needs to be in a different classroom, or I don't like who I am in this relationship, so I've got to step away from it, or maybe it's time to move. We may play a part in the catalyst of the change, but we have zero control over the progression of the change. How fast or slow it will go. Who will say what? What will people think? If you feel ready for what's next, if you'll let go of what was. We fill those gaps with our assumptions. And do I really need to tell you what happens when we assume? Okay, if you don't know, I'm gonna need you to pause this and call a friend who will tell you the truth. Okay? Because the only thing we really control is how well we finish. We only can control our response to what's happening. We only control ourselves. We control how well we close out the chapter because that will determine how we start the next one. Will it be in frustration, annoyance, bitterness? Will it be with anything taking root in our heart that shouldn't be there? There's a question I heard a couple of years ago that I still ask myself in really hard situations when I'm not sure what to do. It's what story do I want to tell when this is all over and I have some space for my emotions and my thoughts. What do I want this story to be? Do I want it to be one of integrity, grace, and honor? Or will it be one that I want to leave parts out of? Parts that have me acting crazy and saying and doing things that ended up hurting more than helping that I really don't want people to know. How I finish doesn't just impact me. It impacts those around me. Shrapnel from a bad finish can take years to remove. So if you're in a transition or you're going toward one, or I can guarantee there will be one, ask yourself, what story do I want to tell in five years? What story about what's happening right now do I want to tell in five years? Because how you finish will determine how you start. Okay, next And this one goes against all of my natural tendencies. Okay, so it took me probably the longest to learn. Healing is found in slowness. So you know that ridiculous hill in my neighborhood I was talking about? Let me tell you, I'm not breaking any records making my way up that hill. I am forced to slow down. When you're climbing your way out of a valley, a place you don't want to be, and the climb feels steep, slow down. You are not meant to be breaking records right now. You're not meant to be proving anything right now. You're meant to be healing from the valley. If you're climbing, you're healing because it means you're doing something about your pain. You're not sitting stagnant. You're not distracting or numbing. You're climbing. You're making your way out. And speed is not your friend here. Because if you take shortcuts and try to barrel your way up, chances are really good you'll find yourself right back down at the bottom with no clear path forward because you didn't take the time to carve a clear path forward. You are being equipped right now, healed right now. A confidence is slowly being built in you right now. So that leads to the obvious question, how can you slow down? Learn about where you are. Be a student of where you are. What are your dominating thoughts in this moment? What are your deepest frustrations or disappointments or doubts? Name them. Maybe it's that you thought you'd be further along, or you thought you'd be married by now, or have a kid by now, or you're not good enough for the dream job, or you thought you'd have stronger community and a strong relationship, or deep down, you just feel like a failure get to know what leads your thoughts right now. You know, neuroscientists have discovered that repetitive thoughts form neural pathways as neurons that fire together, get wired together. So the more a particular thought or belief is activated and reinforced, the stronger these neural pathways become, and the more automatically they become our go-to pattern of perceiving what's going on around us. Right? So We think these thoughts over and over again. A lot of them are formed when you're a kid and you just keep thinking them in different seasons and it impacts the way you perceive the whole world around you because you've created a pathway and it's really hard to get out of it. But it's not impossible, okay? You can change the pattern. These neuroscientists, they use the term neuroplasticity to refer to the fact that our brains have the ability to change our synaptic wiring, okay? So that whatever fires together is wired together, we can change that. This synaptic wiring, it's reflected in our point of view. So basically for each of us, what we think is reality is our own personal reality. But the problem is, is when we think that our reality is everyone's reality, right? It's what brings out the people pleaser in me. It's what paralyzes me when I'm afraid of what you might think or say because I'm assuming, again, that you see things the way that I see things. But we have the opportunity to intentionally change our thinking by forming new neural pathways that in turn will change our experiences, will change how we perceive the world. This is a part of healing. To do that. We have to create intentional practices that change those thought patterns. We have to recognize them. And as scripture says, take our thoughts captive. Stop letting them run rampant. Stop letting them run our lives. So what does that look like? Okay, read or listen to scripture and asking God to meet you in it and reveal something new, even if you don't feel like it. Find podcasts that speak to those thoughts and those subjects and then Go on walks in the sunshine and listen to those. Read books that build something new in you as you work to tear down something old. You know, I have a friend right now who has alarms set on her phone to go off throughout the day because we had this very conversation about our thoughts and our patterns. So she thought, I'm going to do something about it. So she set alarms throughout her day and when those go off, she stops and checks her heart. She checks her thoughts and she prays and asks God to correct what's off. Slow down. And do the work. Healing is found in slowness. All right. This next one. It hit me like a ton of bricks in early July. We were in the car. And I was ranting and raving at Ryan. About how I had done my part. Right? I had checked everything off the list. I was doing my best to get everything right. So. Why do I feel so stuck? Why do I feel buried? And I'm actually a little embarrassed to say that out loud. Because I had somehow convinced myself. That I deserved a different outcome, a better outcome. And when I say I experienced one of the strongest moments of conviction, as soon as those words left my mouth, I'm surprised like lightning didn't just come down and strike that Toyota Highlander right then and there. It was a moment of really deep clarity. I'm saying I didn't get what I deserved when I don't actually want what I deserve. What I deserve is the cross, right? But what I get is mercy and grace and forgiveness even when I throw my temper tantrums about where I am somewhere along the way I began viewing my relationship with God as transactional right like I'll do this and you do that my obedience or desire to be faithful was contingent on what I thought he could do for me on the other side of it I had a wish list and it seemed like he didn't have the same one and that just it ticked me off but here's the real truth When I treat my relationship with God as transactional, my contentment will always be conditional. When I treat my relationship with God as transactional, my trust in him will be conditional. If he doesn't do what I think he should be doing, then will I simply stop doing what I know I should be doing? Will my faithfulness change because my circumstances are unchanging? Will I believe he's withholding because I don't like what I'm holding? I had to reteach myself the character of God, the unchanging, steady parts of him that hold me steady. When I find myself leaning toward the doubt side, because there are days like that, that's normal. I read this little excerpt from a book by Paul David Tripp. It says, God is able and willing to meet you in your moments of need, even when that need is self-inflicted. He will never mock you in your weakness. He will not stand idly by and sarcastically say, I told you so. He finds no joy in your suffering. He is full of compassion. He abounds in mercy, and he will never walk away disgusted. He will never use your weakness against you. He has no favorites, shows no partiality. He never grows tired. He never becomes impatient. He will never quit because he's had enough. He will never refuse to give you what he's promised because you've messed up so badly. He is just as faithful to all of his promises on your very worst day as he is on your very best day. He knows how weak and fickle your heart is. Yet, he continues to move towards you with unrelenting and empowering grace. And this right here is my favorite part. He delights in meeting your needs. He finds joy in bringing peace to your heart. He really is everything you need. So do me a favor, write this verse down and stick it somewhere that you're going to see it on the hard days. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. That is an invitation. Those days that are hard when you're sitting there and you're thinking, I thought this would be different. I didn't think it would be like this at this point. Maybe Turn those anxieties and those worries and those cares and offer them up to Him. Because if you, like me, find yourself a little bit buried right now, climbing your way up, and some days you even wake up and have to list all the reasons why you have to keep climbing. I get it. I do. I've been there. I think we'll all be there eventually. And there's always a mountain to climb. On the days what you care about most is causing you to doubt him more, let this verse be your first weapon. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Memorize it, bring it to mind and dump all those cares out to him. When you're laying in bed, you woke up and you're thinking, I have to keep climbing and I don't know if I can start with him. Maybe before you dump them on anyone else. Maybe before you reach for your phone and try to numb it. Maybe before you try to throw yourself even more into work or into anything that distracts you from it. Start with Jesus instead of making him a last-ditch effort. Give him every care because he so cares for you. And as you're climbing, and you're thinking of why do I keep climbing, stay steady. One foot. One foot in front of the other. When everything around you feels unsteady, you can choose to be steady. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants to hold you steady, create a routine and stick to it, even when you don't feel like it. You don't feel like praying? Pray anyway. You don't feel like cracking open scripture? Crack it open anyway. You don't feel like telling anyone what you're feeling? Tell them anyway. Do what you know to do today. That's it disciplines become habits create a habit of faithfulness because that doesn't serve you in just in this moment this serves you for a lifetime it serves the generations that will come after you create a habit of faithfulness don't be afraid to be buried because all it means is that something new is taking root and right now the best thing you can do is water it well because I believe for you what Philippians 1 6 from the message says there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started his great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Jesus appears hey can I just say I love you guys I really missed you guys and I'm cheering wildly for you all and I'll see you back here next week but to keep up with all the in-between, make sure you're following us over on Instacra- Instagram Instagram at NOTM Podcast. Y'all really thought I could finish that without stumbling over my words. But I didn't. So I'll see you next week.